Welcome to Talk Design. I'm Adrian Ramsey, and with the Architects Marketing Institute, I'm going to bring you 12 special editions. These 12 editions, the architects who are presenting their homes on the Austin AIA Homes Tour. They're all very inspiring, and there's some secret special tips that you'll get towards the end of each podcast. I hope you're as inspired as I am. So my guest on Talk Design today is Charles Di Piazza. Now, Charles is a architect in the Austin area, and we're going to talk about the Dog Trot House. Now, you've got to love that name. Charles will explain it to us. Um, the Dog Trot House, which is on the AIA Austin tour this year, the Homes Tour. Now, this Homes Tour is a sensational tour, probably one of the best tours I've ever been on anywhere, best organized, easiest to get around, and also the most diverse architecture from hill country homes to lakefront homes to urban homes. And dog trot's something really special. And obviously any architect who has something on this tour has done something very special with what they do. So Charles, welcome to Talk Design. I'm going to ask you a question straight up, but you can introduce yourself a little before that. Um, but the question's going to be, when did you realize that architecture was your calling? This was going to be your thing? Because architecture certainly isn't something that you do by accident. It's uh, it's something that that once you're in, you're in, and uh, it's a very special profession. Yeah. So welcome, Charles. Thank you, Adrian. It's a pleasure to be on your show and to meet you. My decision to become an architect was that of a late bloomer, and having grown up in France. I had to decide very early the area that I wanted to devote my energy in. And for the longest time, I had no idea. So I I thought I would become an engineer. And it was not until I graduated from my high school. I went to a French lycée in New York City and then moved to Austin, Texas as an undergraduate to study engineering. But then I became fascinated by the American university pedagogical system, where you basically lead a vagabond-like existence, where you take classes based on professors you like. So I've taken class on philosophy and history, ended up with a liberal arts degree. And it was during the course of that undergraduate education that I, I took a couple of class, uh, one of them on Frank Lloyd Wright, on the life and times of Frank Lloyd Wright, and another one on the history of uh, Chicago at the turn of the century, and became aware of the role of the architect in uh, shaping, you know, a city, shaping a vision of what does uh, architecture for a democracy mean. And so... I came at architecture through historical interest and then did my master's in in Austin. And after I took my first studio, I knew that I was hooked, like making modern, (laughs) you know, having to come up with an idea and present it. And yeah, that's that's when I knew my first year of a, a graduate studio. Wow. Wow, that's fascinating. How did the journey go from um, being in France to New York? What happened that took you from one spot to the other? Uh, my uh, my stepfather worked for IBM. And so we grew up in the south of France. Uh, yes. I grew up in Vence near Lagode, where there is an IBM 
Yes, I know the area. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and uh, the opportunity came for my stepfather to apply first in Raleigh-Durham in the Research Triangle in North Carolina. Ah. And so we moved there for a couple of years with the intention of coming back. And then he moved to uh, Yorktown in upstate New York. And that's when I went to a French high school. And around that time, we just he decided to get a green card. And so we all got a green card. And once I got my baccalaureate, uh, I had the option of going back to France or just start my studies in the United States. And that's where the University of Texas had some appeal to me. And uh, that's why I applied here. Wow. And Texas has been, uh, you've been there ever since. Not quite. I did my uh, studies there and then I've, I've moved around a little bit in uh, San Francisco, Boston, and nice. eventually to uh, the UK where I worked in London for about five years. Okay. And I thought I would go back to France and that London would be kind of the transition. But eventually I felt that Austin had a lot to offer and I decided to come back here eight years ago to open my practice and also I had an opportunity to teach at the School of Architecture. So it felt like yeah. a nice circle to go back and, uh, yeah. So you would you would know um, Kevin Alter as well? I know Kevin very well. In fact, when I was a student, he was one of my faculty professor for one studio. I love Kevin. Kevin's yeah. great. Yeah. I interviewed him a little while back uh, for Talk Design and I've known him for quite a few years. Beautiful work and a fantastic human being. Yeah, very thoughtful, very gifted. Yeah, <laughs> crazily so. Oh, cool. That's an interesting journey. And, and the fabric of life is what makes the depth of understanding and the um, being able to pull things from different cultures and pieces together and see it from a, a different perspective that often people wouldn't get if they didn't have that journey in life. I think it's really valuable. I really agree with that, Adrian. I think uh, like my practice is really dedicated to exploring the cultural meaning of design. And I think as a designer, you always do a synthesis. Yeah, like there is mm-hmm. so much information as an architect that you have to tackle. And eventually, you know, it's a synthesis. And the more aware, the more experience you have, I think the more tools you have at your disposal to come up with an interesting solution to an architectural problem. I had a guy years ago who said uh, he was talking about architecture as a business and he said it's a lousy business. He said um, because to get famous in architecture you have to get old and you have to get old because you need the experience and the experience takes so long to get. It's a long cycle business. And he said, so as a business model, it's actually a long, slow cycle, whereas you could be in something that happens really quickly. And um, he said, but the joy of being an architect is beyond the joy of anything else. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it's, I, I agree with that. I see myself more as being part of a practice than a business yes. because if yes. I was to make money, I would not be in architecture. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's about the passion. Yes. Can you tell me your client design philosophy and, and how it relates specifically to the dog trot house? And before you do that a little bit, just tell me what is a dog trot house? <laughs> well, the dog trot house is actually uh, it's a uniquely American typology, which is made up of uh, two cabins facing each other and separated by a breezeway. 
And you see a lot of it in the in the south, in the southeast especially, where it's very humid and it's yes. a strategy to, to, to cool to cool it down. So this and we suspect after we surveyed the, the house that I remodeled, we suspected that originally it was built as a dog trot house, but that over time there were so many construction campaigns that it was un- unrecognizable as such. So our task was to kind of peel away those additions and kind of reveal what was there originally, but also apply a more contemporary treatment. Uh, gotcha. Because our interest was not preservation, it was intervention. Like we really wanted to create a very strong statement about, yes, we're going to preserve the exterior envelope of the house, like we're not adding anything to the house. But once you're inside, there is something different happening. You have like huge uh, floor to ceiling heights, unusually large windows, so that it reads like very much a contemporary interpretation of a doctorate. Oh, awesome. I've seen the photographs, but obviously not the video, and really enjoyed the photographs um, because, as you say, it's got that traditional feel to the outside. And then, yeah, when when you go in, it's like, oh, wow. And the nuances are really good because, and I'm going to ask you a question about those, but uh, that makes something special out of it. When it was a dog trot house, do you live on one side and and sleep on the other? Or is it one is it one family that lives in it? Not Yeah, it's typically one, you know, you have the living accommodation on one side and maybe the cooking accommodation on the other side, but there's a lot of variation. Yeah, but that's basically that the construct is is that you know you live over here and you you maybe socialize and uh, you know cook and do your family stuff on this side, but there's an open hallway between. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. And to answer your previous question, the the motivation, the design sensibility of my client is that of someone who is very concerned about the rampant urbanization of Austin and the densification. Uh, The the neighborhood where the Doctorod House is located, it's called the Heritage Neighborhood. Yes. Very close to West Campus. Uh, which is next to the area. And this area is undergoing a, a massive growth uh, so that it's, it's become like a mini Manhattan. You know, you have like towers, 1920 story tower. So my client has is concerned that this particular neighborhood is at risk of many developers kind of buying those different lots with bungalows from the 1920s, raising them to the ground, and then building what we call Mac mansions. Yes. Where, you know, developers would maximize the cubic footage. Of yes, of course. Every side. So she's been in this Don Quixotic uh, struggle to buy the piece of land and invest enough money in it so that a developer, it would not make any economic sense for them to buy it and demolish it and build something new. So it's a second project I've been doing with this particular client. The first was a new build and one was mostly a remodel. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. I love that people have that passion, A, for their city and their environment and B, for themselves that they're prepared to stand up and and go, you know what, we need to preserve or to enhance our neighbourhoods the way they originally were. That gentrification is one thing, but then when you get uh, just mass development, you know, the old's gone and 
only the new exists and um, we lose something in that. Absolutely. And that was kind of the brief for the doctorate project because we wanted to preserve the exterior appearance. We wanted to preserve the bulk and massing of the structure so that it's not jarring to the neighbors. Yeah. But at the same time, we wanted to really modernize the interior. Yeah, cool, cool. I like that. If you were to tell me a couple of things, so if I'm if I'm on the tour, so uh, the tour is going to be virtual, and so it's going to be video, which is going to be pretty incredible, and there's still going to be parties and stuff that we can do, but we're going to get actually you know, more chances, I, I think, to do things and more time without other people around us to see the homes as well. If there were some things in the dog trot house that you would say, listen, you know, Adrian, when you go to look at that home, I want you to I want you to stop stop and take these things in or or spot these things because otherwise you might miss some of the gems that I've hidden in there. Can you give me a couple of ideas there? Absolutely. What I would tell you Adrian is that so the way the house was designed is we between the deck and between the roof we carved out the mass so that we created four cabins between the deck and the roof. And each of those cabins, units, kind of articulate the two breezeway trots uh, that separate the functions and kind of bring the exterior features of the sideboard cladding into the, into the interior. So right. w- one of the things you might, and each of those cabins has a different function. One is for living, one is for cooking, and two are for sleeping. And one of the things you might uh, realize when you're there is that the detailing inside the cabin is different from the detailing in between the cabin. In between the cabin, you have a full height breezeway, floor to ceiling uh, windows. Yes. Painted black, whereas inside each cabin, it's treated in a more traditional way. So the detailing around the window is more traditional. So that would be one thing you might want to. Yeah, that would be, that's really fascinating. Yeah. To just make that stop and find the differences. Yeah. And it was a way to clarify the concept of the new and the old. Like another difference is that when you are in the dock trot area, uh, the breezeways, the floor is a teak wood and the ceiling is also teak wood. But when you step into the cabin, you go through a threshold and then it's all white ceiling and the ceiling is dropped down a couple of feet. So that it gives the impression that those cabins have been inserted in between the deck and the roof, as nice. if you could, you know, move them out and move them in. And the last thing you might find out is that every time we have a notch, like where the entrances are, it's recessed from the face of the exterior skin so that to reinforce the idea of the four independent units. Great. And the transition, so you actually make a double transition. You you That's turn right. in and then you go in. I like that. I like that. It, it, it creates a true entrance rather than a door. It celebrates the entrance as a threshold. And something that, you know, you become very aware of. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Those kind of little detailings are the things that uh, it'd be interesting to see when we're doing it via video as opposed to doing it via being physically there. One of the things that I wanted to do with the podcast is um, is find out these little pieces like this so that if I could, if I knew that before I went and I was physically going to go, I'd be looking to stand and feel the space yeah. as opposed to see the space. That's yeah. true. And in this industry, we, the people who work in this industry feel things um, as much as we see things. 
And I suppose what we bring to it is, is what the transition of feelings is like. And I certainly got this from uh, looking at Frank Lloyd Wright's work and going to a lot of his work around the country and stuff, where he would always compress you and always release you. And he would take you, you know, you could go to an entrance point that, well, the entrance was very rarely ever right on the front of the building. It's, 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 um, it's something that you discover on the side of the building or just to the side of the building or, and also he uses dark and light so fabulously with that. Like, uh, it might be a long open piece of entry, but one end will be dark and the other end will be light or lit. And then you will transition towards the light and naturally you will go to where you can see where you're headed. That emotional journey is something really cool. And when, so take me through that in the dog trot. So does the dog trot have essentially a, a, a north, south, east, west corridor system? It's a quadrant. And, yeah, gotcha. And it's oriented so that the view, if you, if you stand in the center of the crossing, yes. depending in which direction you view, we've worked with a landscape architect to put a different kind of uh, landscape. So that north, south, east, and west are uh, are different, and uh, we also were very interested. It's a very pared down design, and I completely agree with you that it's good to give more information so that the prospective person who's going to look at it has that in their mind. And you know, some people would say, well, you know, it takes away from the element of surprise and how you might project yourself into the space. But I think the more you know, the better equipped you are. And what what the challenge in this project was to exercise restraint because you always want to put a lot of ideas in one project. And the key is to just have one main idea. And here's the main idea is uh, like the four cabins. It's all about composition, geometry, proportions, and, you know, kind of like stepping into a Pelagian villa where, you know, yes. And that, and uh, there is this artist, uh, Gordon Mata-Clark, who is known to kind of create those opening through old buildings, you know, like you kind of... Ah, right. So it was also this idea of this in this old house, we are creating those new, you know, passageways. Passageways, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So th- that speaks to the synthesis, you know, like the reference you want to bring in as an architect for the particular project. And I think if a person who visits the house is aware of that interest, they might, you know, it, it might uh, enhance their experience. And it might give them clues as to how they might experience the project. I totally agree. Like um, I I, I do a tour that I take people to Falling Water. And what we do is is we arrive at Falling Water and we, we go through the house just on a quick tour. And when I say a quick tour, you know, like we do the tour and uh, then we go and we look at some other houses uh, close by and then we come and we have dinner and then stay there. And then the, the next day we come back and we do an in-depth tour. That's good. Because yeah. we've already wet our feet. There's too much to see. Yeah. There's too much to soak in. I don't care how good you are. And this is the thing, you know, like this is where I think that having the video means that you can dwell without feeling the pressure of another person trying to come past you or um, you can look around and spot things. You can, this is going to be something special that the video is going to bring. For me, I go, I want to see these videos and then I want to actually visit maybe not all, but most of those houses. And for me, that would be the ultimate is to do it before and then actually go and experience it. Yeah, 
It's an iterative process. Watching a video, I would love to watch the plants, all of the floors, and kind of develop an intuitive understanding and then visit the house. Me too. But that may be just because of uh, our analytical structure that we want to to view it that way. Whereas, you know, somebody else might go, um, I just want to go and and, and walk around the house and that might be enough for them. But that's the beautiful thing about what this, uh, having the tour and it done different ways because from now on to the future, will always, there'll be different elements now because of this being introduced. Yeah, there'll be some great depth that comes out of that and there'll be more for different people. I know people who come to the tour and I, I see every home every time. Um, and that's a task in itself over, you know, a few days. I would probably, if I could do this and then go on the tour, I would probably be a little bit more selective. There'd be some that I might go, you know what, I might not see that one, but there would be others that I would, uh, going to experience as opposed to going to analyze. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a very clever way to to visit a house because when I, I had a previous house on the home tour in 2015, we had a horrible storm that day, <laughs> for one thing. So it really cut down the number of people who could visit. But also, it's not ideal. It's like being in a crowded museum. You know, sometimes you want to have the artwork all to yourself. Yeah. And, and you don't... And I think your mind is very stimulated when there are many people around so that you don't really pay as much attention as you might want. Yeah, yeah you feel the, the pressure of where you are and... Um... And the other energy that's in the room. That's been fascinating, like really, really fascinating, Charles. So, guys, I would like recommend make sure that you spend some time in the dog trot house and certainly check out that quadrant sort of breakup of the home and then those little nuances, the ceiling heights and the the way those doors are just set as entrances and experience, imagine experiencing the home to live in so that you live over here and then you go and do this over there. And the Balinese homes are often done like this as well, where they're broken into into pieces. So Charles, absolutely brilliant. I absolutely enjoyed it. It's fantastic. And thank you for being on here. And I look forward to being in Austin and uh, having a glass of wine and actually going and visiting some of your homes. Looking forward to it, Adrian. It was a real pleasure. And uh, very nice to do this with you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name's Richard Petrie. And if you're a designer who's frustrated by not winning the type of projects with clients who really value great design, go to a new webinar training I'm going to give you where I'll teach you how to win higher value design projects where fees is not the number one priority. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design.